Welcome back to the JMS Podcast. My name is Jorge M. Sanchez, and today's guest is a great artist here from San Jose. Her name is Yolanda Guerrera. Uh, we had a great chat about Chicano art, about identities, and a lot of things, and I'm really excited to really listen to it, uh, or have you guys listen to it, because I've already listened to it, because I was there. So look forward to that. Uh, next news. I just finished the third episode of my web series, Looking for St. Jorge. You can check it out on YouTube. Just search for Looking for St. Jorge. And the third episode is called Flowers. Um, it's definitely an improvement, I think, from the pilot and from the second episode. And this is of production value. I know. I remember because um, uh, all this was, was done through crowdfunding and, and I got some money to get equipment and, and you know to fix the sound and for the most part I think we're, we're getting better I think with, with each uh, episode it, it, it's getting um, a better look and uh, I'm getting really great performances from my actors um, also we had a had a, an artist make a cameo in the episode Francisco Ramirez he was a guest here on the podcast um, him and his girlfriend Ana they, they make a cameo and I hope you guys like it. So you should really check it out. You go on YouTube, search for Looking for St. Jorge, Episode 3. Uh, I had a good time making it. And uh, overall, I hope you guys like it. Let me know. Uh, on further news, uh, this podcast has a new segment. That's right. We're growing. Oh, my God. We got, we got videos of musicians playing music. We got articles talking to local food establishments. And uh, now we got movie reviews. That's right. Uh, my, I, I do not review the films. Um, I am the filmmaker. I am not a film critic. But my friend, uh, Jacob Wheels, he is the JMS Podcast film critic. Uh, it's called Wheels on Reels. And it's exclusively only on YouTube for now. Uh, I won't be airing it here on this portion of the podcast. So you can go on YouTube, search for... Uh, JMS Podcast, Wheels on Reels. Uh, Jacob Wheels, he is a comedian and a good friend of mine. And the first film he reviews is Suicide Squad. I said that weird. I think I said that weird. Suicide Squad. There we go. And he lets us know if it's a good movie to check out or not. So check that out as well. So remember, there's the web series, Looking for Say Jorge. And then there's the new movie review segment of this podcast, uh, which is Wheels on Reels. All right, without much further ado, let's get right down to our conversation with Yolanda Guerrera. Thank you for coming. Sorry, people get lost around here. That's pretty common. Yeah. I like it that you live out this area. It's so quiet, and it's a community, and it's great that these uh, places still exist like these mobile home spaces because it's just different and I think it's you know it's cool yeah yeah it's pretty funny because you said uh you live in north san jose i'm like <laughs> yeah and you said you, me too and then you mentioned julian and and, and third because that's third. my association is north san jose right. is that <laughs> and, and, and i'm like no i'm like way I'm north like, yeah, like, mas, mas. <laughs> like i'm like in the like arctic level <laughs> north of san jose the true north san jose and, and I, have a, I have a lot of guests coming in and, and they're like i never knew this side of sounds even existed I, I never knew like this that is considered san jose yeah yeah, yeah and that yeah <laughs> i'm like no yeah it's we have our own little stuff here and this area is considered el viso part of el viso or not exactly el viso close? is a bit north okay but we're like border. right border yeah okay. yeah right there isn't this close to that where the old farm is i think it's 
North, North yeah, there was like this big space on First Street, and it's like this kind of okay, two streets, two streets on the side, but in the, right in the middle is this farm. Uh-huh. Maybe it doesn't exist anymore. But for a long time, what, what kind of stuff do they grow? I don't know what they grew, but it was this this large space with a old farmhouse, and it just was like on North San Jose, further up. Um, and there was one out in South San Jose, the same thing, big property, old farmhouse. And for the longest time, that stayed there. But I don't know. I don't well, you know, know if they still exist. A couple blocks south, there's an orchard, <clears throat> pretty big orange orchard. Hmm. It has a pretty old school farm looking things. Oh, maybe, maybe um, that's what it is. And ironically, I read on National Geographic that that orchard is actually one of the biggest complexes where they're actually uh, growing food for the homeless. Like okay, I guess, I guess the, the the fruits that they they, they grow in that yeah. orchard over there, they distribute nationwide. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, uh, maybe maybe it's the yeah. same place. I don't know. Could be. Cool. But it's funny you say that because when we when my family moved in here, uh-huh. this area, a lot of these apartments and tech companies were not here. A lot of it was just grassland. Yeah. So over the course of five years, like it all changed. Is this is where your family lives? Uh, your yes. Parents? Okay. Yes, they're not here right now. Okay. <laughs> which is good for sound. Okay. Usually, you know. Uh, my, my Mexican family, they're very loud when they're talking. Yeah, I know. I'm from a Mexican family, too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Yolanda Guerra. Si, yes. I don't speak Spanish fluently, just so you know. So. Oh. oh, me neither. So we're good. Okay. We're good. <laughs> High five. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm pretty sure most of my listeners are English uh, speakers. Or at least, at least English understanding. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure there's a word for it. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. I think uh, understanding of culture, I think even that is a different kind of uh, under and uh, kind of it's a different understanding. If you understand yeah. a culture or you understand cultures, it's a whole other. But but looking at your art, because I, yeah. I was looking at your art and it's very uh, Mexican oriented and it's very uh, traditional. Yeah, a, a lot of the subjects, you, you, a lot of it reminds me of classical Mexican art. Yeah, even murals. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Uh, so, what's that? Are we on? Uh, yes, we're okay, recording. Okay, thank you. You should have said something. <laughs> yeah, we've been recording. Oh, okay, that's yeah. great. Okay, cool. So, uh, tell me, what is the story of Yolanda? Like, uh, at what point in your life did you realize that you could do art? Well, that um, you want to do yeah, art? Yeah, no, there is a story, and um, I often tell it because I'm also an art teacher. I teach in uh, San Jose, um, teach at San Jose High, one of the oldest uh, schools in California, second oldest school in California that I'm very that's, proud of. That's on Julian, right? Yeah, on Julian. And, and, the Bulldogs. Uh, bulldogs, yes. Um, and I'm a Bulldog myself. And so this is something that I tell some of my students. So they, they'll ask that question, like, how did you know you're going to be an artist? Or how did you know this? And so uh, when I was growing up at uh, Grant Elementary, well, I went to Grant Elementary School, so I was growing up in North San Jose. Um, we had a, a friend, and I'm not going to say the person's name because I'm sure she's probably still out there, but a little friend, and um, and this particular person, she, you know, she grew up pretty poor. She grew up in a very large family, just like myself, but she, and we were poor too. But, um, you know, like what sometimes when you're poor, things don't happen right away. Like, you know, watching stream breaks and, you know, you go to school and sometimes your clothes are smelly. Sometimes, you know, all kinds of different layers of what poverty looks like. Anyway, so this person, I'll just say her name, her name is Mary, and she was so much, she was a lot of fun, and she was funny, and we played with her, and this is like elementary school, so we played with her, but when, you know, sometimes she didn't smell good, or whatever the deal is, but I didn't care, like, I, I she was just fun, right. she was fun, yeah. and so on her birthday, I did a little painting for her, and I remember the day when I did the little painting, I was at home, I had a blue, little blue ocean, and then I had a, like a, kind of a goldfish in the middle, and um, so I gave it to Mary, and she was so happy. You know, it was a great little present. And um, then later on, uh, we didn't go to the same high school. We didn't go to the same junior high. But I ran into her when I was in high school at Eastridge Mall. 
and and so she she said hey Yolanda like hey Mary how you doing blah 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 she said I want to tell you I still have that little painting and oh man that like really touched my heart I'm mean, like even right now I'm like my eyes are watering because that was like whoa art is powerful our you know like she loved it and it's just like it just really hit me like what I do or what I what I give you know can affect people mm-hmm. and so that was one moment and then later on as I went to school and I went to San Jose State um at first I thought I was gonna major in English and uh, and I was on that route actually I was gonna be an actress I took acting classes and I took all the stuff until I realized acting wasn't my thing yeah so you were an RTVF major for a while well I went to junior college so when I went to junior college I experimented What's with junior all college uh, Evergreen Valley College Evergreen okay. yeah um and wonderful people there. Um, but anyway, I I took acting classes, I took dance, I took voice, all that stuff. And when I actually took the acting class, that was which was advanced at the beginning, and I saw the advanced students, I'm like, yeah, that's not me. I don't have that passion. You know, I don't have that what they have. And um, and I said, okay, I'll take the art classes. I'll do it because all I did was art all the time. And so finally, when I took the art classes, it was like, oh, these are my people. Yeah. I'm at home, you know, and so um, I went into that whole process of uh, moving on to San Jose State, got into the BFA program, etc. And even that process of getting into the program really solidified for me that I was an artist because the advisor, I'm not going to name names, but the advisor that I had or that I had to ask for, um, he gave me this, he made a comment to me because I came up, I came there in his office to ask to be, to have him for my advisor. And um, uh, I came from uh, working in an office, and uh, he he said, well, you know, and this is like, I don't know if he did this on purpose. I think he did, but he said, well, you know, being an artist, you know, I don't see you as an artist. I mean, look at how you're dressed. Holy shit. Yes. Wow. <laughs> okay. And that's how I felt, too. What? What? Like, what? Yes. And I think, Ooh. I honestly feel I'd like to give him some, not to, you know, give him some benefit, I doubt, but... I honestly felt that he did that on purpose, and he did a couple of things like that to me on purpose, um, where it challenged me. Um, so I was so angry because I had my portfolio open, I had all my art pieces open, so he could take a look and see if he would be my advisor. I slammed my portfolio, and I just told him, like, "Look, you don't tell me who, what am I? You know, you don't tell me I'm an artist. You don't. You have no right. It's me. It's I'm the one who says that I'm an artist, and I am. I'm sorry. I don't want you as my advisor." As I got to the door. He said, I'll take you on. And that was that was it. And I like that he did that to me because... If kind of we, want to see if there's a fire in you. Yeah, and there right? was a fire in me. Yeah. And there was. And it was like, yeah. okay, it was a fire in me that I didn't know that existed either. Which is weird, though, because it, it, almost on a superficial superficial level, he, I guess, you know, tried to judge you in some ways. Like, look, look at how you yeah. dress. Look at yeah. the lifestyle. It's like, <laughs> what does that convey? Like, how is an artist yeah. supposed to dress? Yeah. How is an artist supposed to to live like that for me already you're, you're yeah. pigeonholing yes. this concept of, of an artist yes. which in reality is a lot of us from different backgrounds or different lifestyles are artists in some yeah, ways or no, others. And, and then later on when I had him as my uh, teacher in the classroom he really pointed out something else to all of us I don't know if everyone understood that but I took it on and one of the things that he mentioned is like you know if you're an artist you also have to be healthy and don't fall into the stereotype of being an artist that, okay, well, you can have to take drugs, you have to experience all these different things so that you're free, et cetera. You don't need all that stuff. Mm. And that was his point. 
And I feel that way too, you know, for myself, personally for myself. I don't, like, I don't need to have some kind of, I don't have to fall into a stereotype of what an artist looks like either. Yeah. And I kind of like that. I like, I kind of like that people think, oh, what, you're an artist? Like, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I'm kind of breaking some kind of stereotype as well from mm -hmm. other people's perspectives. Um, and I'm okay with that. And I don't do it purposely. It's just, I'm just being who I am. Right, so. right. That's interesting. It's a that's an interesting notion. A lot of people put on people who are creative. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, you you're an artist or you're a poet. You must yeah. be e emotionally distraught and this and that. And, <laughs> yes. and for the most part, I think part of it most is of true. <laughs> uh, but but so. but you know, there, there's especially the younger people like, oh, because I do this, I should be doing. I that. should be doing this, and that's not. Yeah. And that is the point. It's like, no, you don't have to be doing that. You don't. You just so, gotta be you. Who you are. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. And I get that a lot because I, I I do I do stand up and I mm -hmm. do qu quite a few things I want to say. Okay, cool. And a, a lot of people are always oh you know do 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 you get creative when you smoke weed? Yeah. And I'm like I don't smoke weed at all. <laughs> you know I had a phase, but it's just not yeah. my thing. <laughs> yeah. And they get very surprised by that. They're yeah. like, what, man? Like, oh, you're not hip. You're not cool. You're not really an artist. You don't drink coffee? Like, what's wrong with yeah. you? Yeah. And that really bothers me. Yeah. I, and I was like, well, yeah, okay, I, I have it's tea. me and my tea, and, <laughs> and, I, and I write, and I create stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like, and that's just how it is. So, but yeah, yeah cool. Did, did that, and besides that moment you had with that, because I had a similar moment with a advisor at San Jose State, too. <laughs> uh, I went in for film I'm okay. a, as a screenwriting. Cool. And my advisor was also my teacher. I think you had that that type as well. Okay. And one time, the whole semester, I tried to impress them, you yeah. know, because I'm trying hard yeah. and nothing's budging. Yeah. So finally, I turned in my, my last draft of my script and he and then he, he reads it and then he tells me, Jorge, you're a better writer than I thought you would be. <laughs> <laughs> and boom, that hit me hard. Yeah. But it, it did start that fire that you had too. Yeah. It's, it's like, like well, what are you talking about? Like, you know, what? You know, and I also had another situation too, which was uh, at San Jose State, where um, I was doing artwork, and the artwork wasn't necessarily Chicano based or Chicano based. It was just whatever I was experiencing, and of course, you know, when you're in, in college, you're you're experimenting with different ways of doing stuff until you find your voice, until it becomes real for you and who you are. And when you're young, you're still learning who you are. So. I had a professor who was in a different department, and he told me, he said, so why aren't you doing, you know, why aren't you doing Chicana work? You're a Chicana. And I'm like, once again, yeah. don't, like, you, you have, you, male person, you have no space, no place to tell me what to do. This is my experience. This is my, and again, okay, another fire. Okay, it just all those things. Was he Latino himself? Yes, he was. Do you feel that sometimes uh, certain communities like to... Pigeonhole people? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I get that sometimes, too. You're, yeah. Oh, you're a Latino comedian. Why don't you do more Mexican racist yeah, jokes? Yeah, or why don't you talk about your family and, you know, like all the crazy yeah. stuff that happens in your family or, or whatever, right? Right. Yeah. But, but this is the first time I'm hearing this from the art community, though, so that's oh. interesting. Well, okay, so that was that time. Now, where I'm at with what I do with my art, um, so... It's an interesting thing. So I had a wonderful experience. Um, uh, so I'm a teacher. So like I said, I was a high school, I'm a high school teacher. And I got into a program um, sponsored by the National Endowment for Humanities. And they select 30 people. And that time they had like 280 candidates to choose from. And they chose 30. And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I got in. 
And this was uh, a Oaxacan experience, going to Oaxaca, understanding the Mesoamerican culture, etc. And so all, this, all the teachers went there, all these particular teachers went there to learn about the culture um, so that we could bring it back into our classroom. Um, and for me, okay, so there's a lot of different layers to this, but anyways, so... It's okay, we, we, ha we have an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and you can add it. Yeah. Um, and, so, <laughs> and so I went and, um, you know, I fell in love with Oaxaca. I've been to Mexico before, different places. I also fell in love. I felt at home. Um, well, what part of Mexico is your family from? My family is actually from, my parents are actually from Texas. Uh, grandparents, uh, each of my grandparents, different uh, parts of my grandparents, they are from Texas as well. Um, but then my other grandparents who are from Mexico, they're from Coahuila, Jimenez. Um, Where's that Monterey, located? All along the border of uh, Texas. Okay. So, you know, very Tejano family. And uh, and I say that in that way, like accent. Um, part of it, like growing up, so I'll kind of jump back and forth to this That's Mexican fine. experience. But yeah. so growing up, um, my parents, you know, they spoke Spanish. But when they went to school, they got hit uh, for speaking Spanish at school. So they dropped out at a very young age like, you know, third grade, fourth grade, that kind of thing. And they worked in the fields and they picked and they worked in Canada. In the 70s, 60s? This was, for them, it was, I think it was like 50s. So they're in oh, the wow. 80s, right? So, yeah. um, and so, um, so all of us who were brought up, you know, six of my brothers and sisters, there's nine of us, I'm the ninth one. Six of them spoke Spanish and English. And then the last three of us spoke English, mainly because we were brought up in California. And so, you know, I didn't speak I didn't speak Spanish growing up, and I understood it. I understood a lot of it, and and so you know, you go to school. It was in the '80s. You know, '80s is so cool. It was a great time. Music, bands, all that kind of stuff. And then there was an influx of people from different uh, countries, uh, South America, and then you get, and then you get, um, you get questioned by the people from South America, like, "Hey, how come you don't speak Spanish? You're Latina." Or and then other people like, "Well, how come you don't speak English? Or why don't you join in on this assimilation?" <laughs> And it was this, this conflict. Um, and as I, you know, educated myself, as I went to university, as I read other books, as, as I met other people, it's like, holy goodness gracious, you know, um, something's lost. And what was lost is language. Uh, what was, like, taken away or oppressed was language. And that was, you know, definitely not my, my parents' choice, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they were doing the best in raising us. Um, and the way they thought was best for us to speak English. And and there's no, like, I have no judgment on people who do speak English and they're Mexican, but for myself, it's like <clears throat> seeing the bigger picture. Oh, that's impression. That's oppression, you know? And I don't want that. I don't want that anymore. And so as I'm going through this process and understanding this, um, there's this beacon, this call, come to Mexico. Um, go to Mexico, or definitely Oaxaca was the the beacon for me. Um, like I would run into people and say, "Hey, you Oaxaca know, Oaxaca is pretty mystical place oh. for for Mexico in general." I yeah, mean. no, I think that's the heart of Mexico for me. That's my opinion. Oh, <laughs> I know I, other people I, are gonna I, like. I, I think a, a lot of people from Mexico City are gonna gonna <laughs> yeah. put their hands up. Like I know, um, but no, but for my experience. Yeah. Um, so um, coming back to Mexico. Um, and, oh, along with that, teaching. So um, in this process of understanding where I kind of fit in and also feeling embarrassed by it, really, you know, feeling like, like 
yeah, you know, I do, I, I do, I'm lacking something for myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I started teaching, I started teaching much later. So I didn't teach in my 20s. I taught somewhere in my 30s. And, um, you know, I taught in San Jose, highly populated, you know, Latino culture in my classroom. And same thing, you know, why, you know, why don't you speak Spanish? Why don't you da 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 and so I had to deal with that. Like, what does that mean? Like, what, you know, and so finally I started challenging my own students. It's like, you know, okay. Like one student, she's, well, you know, Ms. Gera, I want to, you know, kind of say something to you, um, you know, it might be offensive. And usually when students say that, it usually is offensive. Yeah. And so <laughs> preparing myself. And she said, well, don't you think you're whitewashed? Ooh, ugh, heart. And then as a teacher, you don't show like you're like falling apart inside. Yeah. So, you know, I tell her, okay, well, okay. Sheila. <laughs> Tell me, tell me, what does it mean to be, you know, what does it mean to be Mexican? And she goes, well, what do you mean? And I go, no, tell me, what does it mean? Like, you were saying that I need to be Mexican, so tell me what does that mean? And so she said, well, I mean, speaking Spanish. I go, well, try. I do speak. I do understand a lot of it. She goes, well, you know, the foods. Well, I make tamales. I make enchiladas. I make chili. You're like, well, you know, what is that? What else? Pozole? I know how to make pozole. I could read a recipe, too, you know, and I could make, you know. And then she goes, well, you know... She said, and she didn't know what else to say, so I threw stuff at her, which was, you know, does it mean that I clean houses? She goes, what? And I go, well, does it mean I clean houses? Does it mean that I'm a janitor? Do I, I'm a custodian? Well, like, or, like, or, um, uh, what do you call it, a gardener? And then, or does it mean that I'm a lawyer, a doctor? And she goes, okay, I get you, I get your point. So I said, you can't, I go, you, I want you to think about that. Think about when you say that. And I, then I explained like how painful that question is for me personally. And, you know, growing up and understanding that that was oppression with my parents, you know, that they had no control over it. Like there were laws and rules. And, you know, I said, just kind of try to see it in a bigger picture. Well, I'm getting really emotional about this, but mm-hmm. try to see this in a bigger picture. Okay. So all of that learning with my, from my students, um, but now I'm in a place where I feel really strong about where I'm at, my experience. And so going to Mexico, um, going to Oaxaca, having that experience, and I go now every summer, um, it's really just uh, strengthened who I am as an artist, what my voice is, what my place is as a Latina, as a Chicana. And I strongly feel like I'm a Chicana. And, um, and for me, what that means, because some people are like, oh, you know, they have different opinions of that. For me, it's uh, really focusing on social justice and not just for my culture, but for other people of color. It's speaking out um, when needed, uh, speaking out against things that are oppressive to people in general, right? Um, believing strongly and what we as a culture, as Latino culture, can benefit uh, or our communities or give to our communities and um, learning as much as we can about what has been taken away from us, you know? And, you know, I do my best with my students and kind of sharing that and to kind of develop lessons for my students to understand some things. Um, but I definitely don't tell them, well, you should because you're Latino. <laughs> I let them explore that kind of stuff on their own and really kind of, you know, ask those questions, you know, what does that mean for me to be Latino or Latino um, in this society? Um, so, um, you know, going to Mexico has uh, really, especially Oaxaca, because Oaxaca, you know, Oaxaca is magical, like you said, and mystical. 
Um, and part of that has to do with uh, being open, making your heart open and to really like uh, experiencing like, I don't know, like experiencing like messages, experiencing like the voice of the people or experiencing what you can offer to your community. And Oaxaca opened me up and how like my process in doing art is just that it's like I have to use my hands and you can't see my hands but it's like um it's like being open and saying okay universe what is the message that I need to put out into the world and is it good is it useful um and that's how I process stuff that way and I put it in my artwork some art is not for me meaning you know some art it has to be a message for other people and some art is for me like some art I just oh I like painting flowers or I like you know creating this piece because it's just you know I like I like this combination of whatever colors right but other stuff is like okay universe I'm open let me let me hear what I need to do and that's how I that's how I process things you know like that's how I do stuff uh, in my life that's interesting so yeah. it's it's more like you're letting certain energies from the universe come yeah. to you yeah and you filter that out in your artwork yeah and sometimes i don't even know what the you know what i'm like what is this about like as an example um i i like going to thrift shops because thrift shops are like pretty cool because there's all these old objects sometimes or there's this you know objects have their own kind of like i don't know there's just some beautiful things out there so um i was at a thrift shop doing my thing and uh this uh, wedding veil was like hanging up and it was really pretty it was just a wedding veil a long long train five dollars <laughs> <laughs> and usually those things are like freaking whatever like it costs they cost so much and i'm thinking and every time i pass by get it buy it i'm like what like i'm thinking what for i'm not gonna get married and so i okay i'm gonna listen to that voice and i so i bought it and i had it for about a year year and a half and it was still in my studio space. And uh, and then, I don't know, like uh, something I heard on the radio um, and then kind of led to me looking up something online. And then it led to uh, young brides who are getting married at, in other countries that are getting married um, at very young ages, you know? And I thought, oh, okay. I'm open to doing a piece on that, and that's probably why I have this veil. And so I did. I did a piece on uh, Young Brides, and I, I got into this uh, San Francisco Mission, the cultural center there. And it was, uh, yeah, it's a piece that has this uh, veil that has all these little children's shoes, and these little shoes that I made, and I attached to that. I attached them to the veil, and, you know, it has education written on it, and, you know, just... Did I know? No, I didn't know, but I trusted the fact that, okay, you know that kind of intuitiveness I think that's <clears throat> excuse me I think my voice <clears throat> I think that's also how I teach too um but teaching intuitively you being your being open to your students being open to what they have to teach you um <clears throat> so I see that with life too you know being open to what life has to teach you I mean everything around you know is a lesson and and <clears throat> I know it's kind of like that's an intense way of living but you know that's what it means to be an artist you know for me that's mm. what it means to ha have that openness and that uh, ability to to listen and that's really the bottom line is the ability to listen because uh, it's so easy to shut off <clears throat> it's so easy to shut off that that ear um, that is speaking some kind of truth right um, too easy to do that in, the, in our society 
and I think uh, slowing down for me and really really like focusing on the things that matter the most and simplifying my life in that way then my that ear to listen is a little bit stronger so and do you find it uh how's it teaching art i mean i mean i believe it's hard enough to do art now you gotta you gotta teach, <laughs> teach it, to, it to 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 high schoolers who yeah. half of them not even be that interested yeah you know? that's so true. are just there for an election class uh, yeah just sitting there and just like oh this is an easy elective class. course yeah it's like right. an easy class or something but 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 i think there's there's something honorable in that uh, there, oh teaching is an honorable like teaching in general is honorable job to have and you know it's unfortunate sometimes society doesn't see it that way and i and i'm and i'm seeing that more so um uh and what's going on uh with education um but yeah it's a it's an interesting experience and you know i teach art but i just don't teach art like i teach life skills in my classroom i teach things that you know when things come up when kids have questions you know I just feel it's my responsibility to be as honest as I can, as best as I can. And um, and so when I teach lessons in art, right, you know, okay, we're going to do the face and the face structure, you know, and while the process of doing the face structure, you know, something else comes up and we have to stop and kind of talk about it. Or with a student, I stop and talk about it. Well, like, why can't they look at their face? What's that about? Right? Mm-hmm. And so we have a conversation with the student about that, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but, oh. you, you know, it's easy to just pass that up. Right. If you don't want to hear that or you don't want to take your time to kind of explore that with the student. So do you feel like uh, your classes are not just artistic, but therapeutic at the same time? I don't know. I mean, I guess you have to ask some of my students. Because um, yeah. for the first time ever, I did a painting session with some of my artistic uh-huh. friends. I never really painted before. And I find it quite therapeutic. You know, it is. Al- although I do something god awful. <clears throat> I think I think it shows I'm a better writer than a painter. Yeah. Ultimately, I like something in me yeah. really was, like was mellow. Yeah, no, and the thing is with that, right? So like say if you're in my classroom and you're my student and you realize, well, I really like this stuff or whatever. It's also like sometimes kids don't even know that they enjoy something. That, that, and it's okay to enjoy something, mm-hmm. at least the students sometimes that I have, that it's okay to, like if you're the football player but you like doing watercolor, that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, And sometimes, you know, students have prejudgments about what that means for them to be artists or whatever. Or just because they like it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be an artist, but it's something that they can go to. Like when, like listening to music is just the same. It's like you're relaxing. You could do art as well. You know, it goes back to that that notion of identity. Yeah. In some ways, you're making me realize that how how much we bombard not just ourselves but others bombard us with what identity is or should be or what path we take because yeah. even at that age you're still growing you're still developing yeah. an identity like yeah. I remember my high school years are very similar where it's like well you're not Latino enough you don't do this enough or mm-hmm. or you played football why are you doing this or yeah. you, you're doing theater why are you doing that yeah but it's it, it goes to show you though that for for people like you who do art I think that's why people like you are so important to society because they remind us of our potential of what we can do. Yeah. Not everything is straight as, as you know, you got to do this in life. You got to yeah. do this in life. Yeah. It's like once in a while you got to enjoy something that something else made. That's right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. I, I ask that a lot because <laughs> sometimes I feel like I make no sense. <laughs> no, I totally, no. And, and for young people, like, like I was saying, it's like sometimes you just have to point out that, yeah, it's okay to enjoy that. That's nothing wrong with that. Enjoy it. You know, there's nothing wrong with you 
just because you like that, you know. So, talking about oppression, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Or being repressed, at repressed, least. Yeah. Being emotionally repressed. Yes. Uh, I want to go a little bit back because I find it interesting that your family's from Texas. Uh-huh. El, El Paso, I'm assuming? No, uh, Del Rio, Texas. Del Rio. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the reason I said El Paso because the border towns, yeah, I, I like, assume. Yeah, Brownsville. And all those uh, why did your family make the move from Texas? Because you have a big family. You're, yeah. You're, you're the youngest of nine. Yes. That's like, wow. Wow. You were the baby. Yes. Uh. Uh, how was that experience growing up? Uh, were all your, your siblings into something artistic as well? Yeah, I had a brother who went to Santa Barbara. He, he had his degree. He got his degree in, in art and painting. Um, he passed away. That's why I say I had a brother. Um, oh, and and, um, and yeah, our family members, some family members, yeah, focused on that. But not, I probably would say about four of us four who really kind of worked in that, worked in that area. I think just myself. Oh, and then I have a nephew too, who uh, who's a wonderful painter and artist. Uh, he lives in San Francisco. Um, so there's little pockets of different people who are very creative. And I think, I think in a, many ways, it's not just the action of doing the artwork; it's also the process and the thinking. So we, I have family members who are very creative in the way they think, and um, uh, so yeah. So they're very open to somebody in the family being in, in an artistic endeavor. Yeah, I think so. I think for my mom, is like, when I first started doing it, she, you know, the question is like, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> Which is everyone always asks that if you're going to major in art. And I said, well, I mean, I think I just said, I just need to focus. I always tell her like, you know, I just need to focus on this. And then I just, I'll just wait to see how that turns out. And, you know, and when she, there was no pressure. It was just like, she just didn't understand like, where, what will I do? You know, I always had a job. So, um, not in the art world, but I had a job to support myself. And, um, so yeah, they were open, you know, it wasn't, no, it wasn't a pressure of like, well, you should be a lawyer, nothing like that. So, okay. Yeah. And, and, and why the move from Texas to California? That's you know, I don't, I guess I don't, I don't know fully. I mean, but I think the idea is like just a different job, a different, a different life other than Texas. Texas could be pretty hard, pretty tough. Um, you know, from at least the stories that I hear from my parents. Um, but I think that was pretty much it. Just the move, just something different, different kind of job. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I, and you've been living here your whole life. Yeah, I was much. born and raised in San Jose. Very wow. proud to be a San Jose. So through your own eyes, how can you describe the art scene when you were first starting out and how it is now? Um, well, I don't know. Let me think. Um, you know, I think things have developed over the years uh, since I was really part of the art scene, I think. Part of the art scene, I think I started like somewhere in the 90s um, when I graduated. And, you know, it was, uh, I think there was a lot of work that was being shown in different locations that focused on Chicana art or Chicano art. There was a lot of, at that time, it seemed like there was a lot more of that. I don't see that as much. Um, I do in some locations, right? But not like a lot of that was not put. I don't feel like it's pushed as much. Okay. Now I'm really excited. I think we live in a time in San Jose that it's a really exciting time. Um, you know, we have you know the different show, or different galleries that are popping up, like in Japantown. You know, gal wait, on Paris Seven. Yeah. Um, Kukui has their own little gallery, and I Kukui is like, wow, that's pretty cool what they do. Um, and then Arsenal and all these other little pockets of spaces that are showing work, um, doing work. I think that's exciting. That that is away from 
um, or separate in a way that from your the typical group that is has a lot of power with the city and they have a lot of power with the city because because the city doesn't really go out and like hey let me go over here and talk to the people over here in Japan town they because it's easy for them just to focus on this, the same group um, that does the same thing over and over again you know um, and so right now I think it's an exciting time because all these new groups are coming up and so there's more voices when you have more voices you have more perspectives of different people and their artwork and that's exciting so I feel really excited about right now um, and yeah when I go and pop up into a show a gallery that's just like showed up somewhere it's like that's exciting I, I don't know I love it and on that I love it as an artist and I love it as a teacher because then my students also have a place different places to go to you know um, so a lot has shifted for the good and for me sometimes it's like ah, you know there's a high population of Latinos here and I really feel that more Latino work should be shown um, and I don't see it as much. Now, when you say <coughs> Latino work, are you, are you referring to Chicano? Chicano, um, any other regions too, other different regions of South America, you know. Well, uh, do, South, yeah. Do you feel the younger generation, the, the, it seems like everybody's a little more integrated than, than, than before, where it, it's more about the my, not just my Latino uh, experience, but my American experience. Yeah. So I, I assume maybe there, there's a connection there to why there, there's not as much Chicano, Chicano art? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Um, I had a conversation with someone um, in Oaxaca, and she's, she's from, she also lives in Los Angeles and stuff. Anyway, we're talking about this kind of stuff. <clears throat> and uh, she was surprised that I didn't know this Chicano artist or that Chicano artist. And I told her, well, yeah, you know, like, where am I going to learn that? She goes, yep. She goes, that's exactly right. She said, that's, that that's what happened like a lot of the Chicano artists she's Chicano herself a lot of the Chicano artists they stopped they did all whatever they needed to do they got you know they got people buying their work they got into galleries they got into museums but then they didn't continue educating their people or their community or their young people and I think for me coming from that I yeah, I don't know a lot of the Chicano artists. I know a few, you know, I know people that I connect with, you know, their artwork. But I think our, you know, I think our young people don't have that connection. And I don't know if it's for the good. I don't know if it's like, okay, well, I'm going to just be American. Well, what does that mean? You mm -hmm. know, if you're a person of color who lives in society, who are, you're not the privileged one in the society. So what does that mean for you to be American? if you're a person of color and you don't know your history. Mm -hmm. So I think I think something needs to change in that, that we need to, like it's my responsibility, not only as a teacher, but as an artist in some ways, if I'm going in that path and if I'm showing my work in that with that Latino kind of, uh, with that Latino background that I'm experiencing, that I'm uncovering, that I'm developing in myself or exploring in myself, that I need to educate people on that. Like, why? Why is that important? Why am I doing this piece about bilingualism? Because I am doing a piece about bilingualism mm -hmm. and about my parents um, and the loss of language. Why is that important? And I want to make sure when that's done, when that piece is done, that I'm going to talk about that. It's, you know, that was taken away from my parents and that was taken away from me. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, it's my responsibility as a, as an, uh, as a Latina, as you know as an artist as a female you know just you know that that 
that's something that, that we need to do, educate our people. Um, and so I don't know, are people assimilating and happily assimilating? I don't know. I think a lot of people are happily assimilating on, you know, <laughs> on social media, happily assimilating on finding Pokemon, you know, doing all that stuff, which is okay, but like, ask them about, you know, who Maybe that's the future. Yeah. There's more Pokemon art that's coming <laughs> our way. It's going to replace most of the art. Yeah. <laughs> you get some murals of Pikachus all yeah. over San Jose, probably. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It's it's something that I think about. Those are things that I, you know, I, I yeah, I think about definitely. And also when I'm developing my lessons too with my students, you know, for my students, it's like, okay, what do I want them to understand about the world, you know, in this lesson, you know? I mean, I feel like the biggest uh, tool that any creative person, including an artist, is, is, um, is life experience mm-hmm. and life experience uh, of what they go through. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think... Uh, a, a lot of a lot of young people have yet to go through that yeah and, and I found out that a lot of artists didn't really take their work seriously until in their tw- yeah mid 20s mid late 30s 20s whatever, yeah. yeah and that's when they really fully realize like oh my god this is who I am yeah this is what I want to do yeah so it, it so when I see young artists who are already like that it's like wow like they yeah. they something in them woke up early yeah. it woke up but sometimes you know it shifts too you know, because I see my nephew doing his thing, and he has life experience happening with him. You know, and it, and it shifts, and it and that's the beauty of art as well. Like even for myself, you know, I'm on this path, this journey of what I'm doing with my pieces, and you know that could shift too mm-hmm. with the experiences that I have that I'm willing to be open to or that I want to try. That it always shifts, you know, and I think. I think in our society we think, okay, well, once you graduate, this is who you're going to be, and that's what it is, and you're going to do that forever or whatever time. No, you're going to do that, but the reality is life is going to push you, hopefully, that if you want to grow, life is going to push you to see other things, and maybe, you know, maybe for you, George, maybe you'll be doing something else, maybe you'll have a talk show on TV, you know, and... Maybe. Right? Maybe. maybe I, I seriously maybe, doubt it, but... Well, you never know, right? <laughs> but, you know, life will kind of move you yeah so i mean that's how i see it for me um and i think it's more about the process it's a lot about the process and doing art for me um than the actual piece but when i actually do the piece it's like oh yeah it spoke for someone and you know and and that kind of stuff is really powerful just really powerful um and uh yeah yeah you know i just recently just had that experience and and i'm and this is like definitely this is not like bragging because I like I haven't said it to anyone, but I had a piece that someone purchased. You know, I don't even, I don't even think I'm gonna say the person's name. That's always a good thing. Yeah, no, but someone purchased. Okay, it's like someone purchased that you admire. That someone that you admire purchased. Whoa. Okay. No, that's earth shaking. Yeah. I mean, in the politics, in the arena, like that you listen to, and it's like holy goodness, he's speaking my heart, right? And he sees your piece and he purchases it. Yeah, and this is something you looked up to. Yeah, and I was gonna say his name. That's just like how it's gonna be. Right, but but I, I think you should totally take that, that yeah. receipt and take it to that advisor you had at San Jose State <laughs> and be like, boom. No, but that advisor, he's he's pretty well known too. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> but he's no, okay. He's no, okay. But, but that's that's great. No, but it's not so much like it's not so much that he's a famous person. 
it's that he it's like having Dolores Huerta by your piece right mm -hmm. it's like someone that you know that you connect with politically and and that your heart he speaks the same thing and that he's owning a piece in your home their home and that spoke to him mm -hmm. that's like powerful and that when that happened to me that shifted for me like okay you know I I have to take on like or I have to own that and and use that in the sense that I had to produce more mm. not for people to buy it's not that it's I have to produce more I have to speak more I have to use my voice more um, for others in a way you know and but yeah that pushed me that like, just pushed me into a space that you know and well, that brings a whole different thing about mm -hmm. where do you draw the line between art and art commerce? Oh, you know, wh yeah. where do you draw the line of selling art and then do or or doing art and selling art and how much to be priced or what demographics you want to sell this to and all that jazz? You yeah, know? well, I think you. I I went to a workshop that I think uh, well, the city offered. It was uh, the cultural affairs uh, offered, and they had this um, curator from Los Angeles and she did this whole workshop about you know being professional as an artist her name is Sylvia White and she points out two things or there's two camps of being an artist and you have to choose it although people are saying well I got I'm in the middle and all that stuff but I kind of understand her seeing it as two two ways and one of the camps is um, you focus your energy on selling your work and when you focus your energy on selling your work, you're in a different camp, you're in a different space, you're doing all that you can to promote yourself, you're being in the spaces that where people are, you know, where people are, where people are going to buy, and you have to talk the talk, okay? The other camp is a camp of prestige, and that prestige doesn't necessarily mean brings you money. It just means that your name is out there, okay? And that your energy is focused on doing your work. Not to say that they're on this other campus that they're not doing their work. But most of the energy is put on to trying to sell, 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 right? I feel like I'm in this other camp where I, like, that other stuff, I don't have the energy to try to sell. Like, I just don't. I just don't. And my energy is shifted on just trying to do the work, um, be consistent about what I'm doing, and just focusing on that. And then once you know what camp you're in, then you don't have that confusion. And I feel like I'm in that camp where like, I don't have the confusion because all I'm doing is like, go to the studio. Okay, I'm working on this piece. I'm going to complete it, you know. And the selling part will happen. But I don't need it right away. Like, it's not the main, it's not the main thing for me right now. It's the main thing right now is like doing the work and listening, listening, you know, and being open. Those are the things that I need to do. And that's where I'm at in that space. Um, sure, I like to sell work. Yes, I like the money coming in because that money I buy a ticket to Oaxaca, you know, or you know that kind of thing. That kind of thing I have, you know. But um, yeah, for me, money will come, but I have to make sure that I'm sincere about what I'm doing and mm -hmm. focusing on that. So. Well, what if you are some common mistakes like a young artist would do when it comes to that? Trying to sell their art. Or yeah, I think to trying to please other people. Mm -hmm. You know, trying to. Uh, do everything they can to get into that show and that means probably doing a piece that doesn't really uh, match who they are but it, you know I think I don't know if it, I want to say a mistake I think it's just it could be just a process you know and when you know because if you do it and then you realize wait a minute I don't like it I don't you know this is that's not me so there's not 
it's not a mistake. It's just like, oh, it's a learning lesson, right? So I don't know. I think I think we all go through that. We always want to try to please someone in our life, right? When the reality is, ah, we can't do that because you're never going to please someone, right? So it's, you're going to, you just got to do who you are, you know, and be mm-hmm. honest and sincere about who you are. So that's what, I don't know. That's how I see what I do, <laughs> you know? I don't know if that answers your question, but. Who are some of your inspirations when you, when it comes to art? Um, so I'll just say like, um, like past past people, Vincent Van Gogh. I like his oh, power yeah. and his passion. Love the colors, right? But I love the power and his passion, uh, and his sincerity about who he was. And I had the opportunity to go to um, the Vincent Van Gogh Gallery and uh, or museum in Holland. And it was one of those life-moving experiences, and that's how I felt being there. I mean, I cried. Like, you have to, like, when you, like, you see in the book, oh, how pretty, they're colorful in the book. But when you're actually there, those things vibrate. Like, mm. they vibrate energy. And so when I went to this museum, and this room full of different colors and just kind of coming off the wall, um you know moved me and they don't have they don't have benches for you to sit down on and you can't sit down on the floor and they're really kind about it they're they're gentle with you and the dutch are yeah very and, gentle. oh they're lovely people yeah. no they're lovely people and um i have a good friend who's dutch and he's in holland um but anyway um they're lovely people but they tell you no you can't sit down you can't sit down on the floor um, but you're welcome to stay as long as you want you know but I was crying, you know, just weeping. So it's hard to cry when you're standing up, though. Yes, it is, because you want to curl yeah. up in the ball. And <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, Van Gogh. Um, and then um, further out. Is there a particular piece of Van Gogh that really talks to you? No, I think a lot of his pieces do. I think I love the pieces of his flower pieces. I think those are just lovely. Um, those are the main ones, I think, that just kind of grab at you. At least they grab at me. Um, and... Um, and Rothko, Mark Rothko is another person. Helen Frankenthaler, those two are abstract artists. Um, you know, just these the, this <laughs> these immense abstract pieces that uh, Helen Frankenthaler does, and she you know stains this canvas. And if you there's like a video of her doing this stuff, and it's just beautiful. It just has this lyrical movement. And and Rothko is the same thing. Just you know, um, you go to San Francisco and you see his piece in their collection, and same thing. They have a bench. You could sit down there. You could sit and you cry. could sit there. <laughs> you could Good. sit there and cry or feel yeah. the energy, right? Uh-huh. Um, and or different moods and expressions that he has, and just diff- combining colors. Um, and then you know, I love Judy Baca. I just recently had an opportunity because I was at Spark Gallery. I had a piece at Spark Gallery uh, just recently, and I got an opportunity to sit and talk with her. And that was like heaven, you know, to just to sit there and listen to this woman and her telling me, <laughs> she says, you don't have children? I said, no. She goes, and you're not married? She goes, and I said, no. She goes, you're on the right path to be an artist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't having, need that stuff. Yeah, and just having her say that was just kind of, you know, it's funny to hear another person say that. And, and But it was sweet. But anyway, nice conversation talking to her. Um, I did a piece of her on the one of my miracle tortillas. Um, I have a series of miracle tortillas of Latina women. I saw that piece. That was interesting. Yeah. Tell me a bit about that. The, that series. Well, yeah. I. Because um, so, I think it's a pretty uh, interesting, uh, funny thing that people look into. Is like they said the, the stereotype of oh they see Jesus on yes. a tortilla, or they see Jesus on the bread, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, exactly. And that's really the ste- the word stems from really. It's a little bit of humor. I like to throw a little bit of humor. Not all my pieces have that humor, but there's always something there, a little, like, 
you know, when you see some of my pieces, it's like, oh, yeah, I kind of get it. And then you look at it, oh, no, I get it. Like, there's another yeah. layer, right? So this series came about because um, I do make these um, quesadilla purses. I don't know if you know that, but I make these quesadilla purses. And I use this fabric. I made this fabric based on my mom's tortillas. And so um, the idea definitely, you know, was miracle. And so I thought I want to do a series of Latino women that I, I admire who are sort of miracles to me, right? Like that they're out there doing their work or whatever that is. And, and so I just, you know, I thought I'm going to put them on tortillas and do this thing. And then the, the, comal, the comal, having it on a comal for when I put it in an exhibition, it's like, oh, even a little, add a little more humor, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, so that's pretty much it. They're just a series of women that I admire. And I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna do some more of them, but I'm gonna actually throw some uh, non-Latinos, like I'm gonna include them in my, you know, Barbara Lee's one of them. Barbara Lee's, uh, you know, uh, I think she's a congresswoman, I think. Anyway, so she's the first one who spoke out against the war, you know, the Iraq war. She was the only one woman. And I thought, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And I want to put her in there. And there's a few other people um, that I really, really admire. Um, so, or uh, like, uh, I would love to meet uh, Maria Hinojosa. Um, and I have her as an, on a tortilla too. She's from PBS. Uh, um, uh, Latino eyes? Is it Latino eyes? I can't the title of their show. But anyway, um, but there's different people, you know. It's uh, just, just a way of. It. Was it hard? I mean, were they real tortillas? No. No, They're okay. Fabric the fabric. I, it's okay. fabric that I designed. So I use that fabric to make. Because I saw the pictures and they're pretty like <laughs> tortillas. <laughs> no, no, it's a design, the fabric that I designed. Cool. And just recently I sent. Uh, so it's not edible? No, it's not edible. Oh, man. Okay. Just recently I sent one to Judy Baca. I made one just especially for her and they took a picture of it and I have it. I have a picture of her holding it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. It is. All right. And then. Uh, how about we're we're closing up soon sure but what's something that you would tell an upcoming young artist yeah i think you could probably elaborate this on this more because you're a teacher yeah so you're familiar with this yeah because those who are listening in from the sounds of community or beyond or from whatever community listening in Mm -hmm. um maybe some of them want to do art Mm -hmm. what's something you could uh, some advice of inspiration of words of wisdom that you like to offer i think trust yourself that's the hardest thing I know but but that's why is that so hard I don't know because we're too bombarded with what we should do I think really just trust yourself and part of trusting yourself is really being honest with yourself too yeah you know and um, and then go for it and just try it even if you're afraid of doing it because even like even as myself doing artwork for uh, quite a while I go into the studio, I have this idea, and then I hear the voice. It's not gonna work. You can't do it. Or it's not gonna make any sense. No one's gonna like it. I mean, those are the voices. And I have to say, it's okay. Oh, it's okay, voices. It's okay. I'm gonna try it anyway. Yeah, so, before you know it, you have like an internal dialogue with, with yourself. Yes, and then at some point it shuts down. Yeah. And then you do the piece, and then you put it to the side, and you come back at it, and you look at it, it's like, whoa I did that Mm. and then you just like okay and you own it so I would just say trust yourself do it even though you're afraid it's usually when you're afraid is that's when you need to do it so you need to do it when you're afraid and then um, let it be come back at it and look at it in a different perspective and just own it own that you did it 
whether or not you like it or not, own that you did it. And then the person that you care about or that you trust their honesty and they you let them come take a look at it and just let them, you know, let them look at it. Hmm. And then be okay with it. And just live with it. Besides the internal dialogue you have yourself, yeah. how, how, how else do you handle uh, insecurities? Talking, like talking to friends. I have friends, so I have friends who are on the other side of the brain. They're like mathematicians or they're uh, engineers. And so when I get to a crazy space of just being really emotional about something or like just being out there, I'll call my friend Lily, I'll call my friend Renee. It's like, okay, Renee, I need logic. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Renee, talk to me. Talk to me. Like, tell me what you think about this, you know, or whatever. Or Lily would just say, oh, that's ridiculous. And I trust her when she says stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, okay. And so, like, having friends um, who are in your camp, having 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 your people. Um, oh, man, I wish I remember this uh, poet. I just, uh, she was at San Jose State. Um, oh, man, I feel so bad that I don't remember her name. But I asked her about this because she she focuses on like racism in her poetry, and um, and sometimes that gets to me like in my even in my community, and being Latina and I face that or my students face that, it gets to me. It eats at me, you know. And when I do pieces that are related to that, it you know it gets to me. To and this day, do you feel yeah. like you, you're experiencing racism uh, here in San Jose? You know, I do. Like, I mean, well, okay, racism like. Look, I'm light skin. Mm -hmm. Okay, I know what that privilege is to have light skin Latina. I'm a light skin Latina. I understand that, and I, I have like, I I know it because people say, oh, you must be half or you must be whatever other culture, and I don't like, I I I know what that's like, right? But I also know what it's like for, like Latinos who are dark skinned I know what it's like for my students who are dark skinned right? And so, and it eats at me, like, it can eat at me, I'll take that. It can eat at me at days, you know, where people don't see it or people don't want to support black lives that matter. Like, you know, just like, come on, you know? Don't you see how privileged you are? Don't you see that because of your skin color, you're privileged, you know? And so. Well, since we're on that subject, how should people who are, who are privileged approach it, approach something? Um, I think being aware that they are to start off with being aware that they are that to admit it be like, to yeah, admit it. yeah you know i am privileged. i get it yeah i get it and that's the thing they don't want to get to the point where i to say i get it because when you say that i get it that means you have to own the fact that this history that all these people who of our color of color all the crap that they had to go through or still go through, right? Mm. When you say I get it, you have to own that too. Not own it like, okay, you know, my people did this, you know, or like I did it to these people. No. Like a person who is privileged, you know, where you might fit into that you're privileged, you're part of it if you don't say anything. You're part of it if you don't acknowledge it. And you're still perpetuating it if you don't acknowledge it. Mm. And so I think that's the start that saying I get it means owning all and understanding trying your best to understand what each group had to face to be here in america or to be here or to be out of whatever country right or i get it that black people are being treated badly because of the their skin color some people don't even want to see that 
So you're like, oh, well, that black person was just talking, you know, talking back to that police officer and he should have just shut up. And no, you don't understand what that, you don't understand that. I don't even understand. Some of it I don't understand either. But I'm okay to say that. And please educate me, people, right? I'm open to be educated about that. Um, So that, I get it, owning that. I don't know it, I'm going to ask questions. I don't know it, I'm not going to be quiet. I don't know it, let me... seek out the information you know and that's like the bottom line being you know being privileged it's like even when I went to like I came back from Mexico I was gone for a month hell I'm privileged I'm privileged Mm -hmm. I'm American Mm -hmm. you know and uh, I sat there I was talking I had I was taking a Spanish class and sitting with my teacher and she told me and this is I go to Oaxaca I love Oaxaca all this wonderful stuff it's fantastic but this trip, well, hit me hard because um, this teacher told me the salary, the salaries that people make there, right? 60, 60 pesos a day. Wow, that's okay, it. But, but don't use American money. 60 pesos a day out there. Yeah. That's still, yeah, that's it. If you're a lawyer, you may get 150 pesos a day. Well, that's it, right? Yes. And then all of a sudden, it shook me. And I just started crying. She was, are you okay? She was like, she was calm. She really knew, like, I'm going through this process. And I said, oh, my God. You know, I go on the streets and I buy, like, this little stuffed animal made of wool. And they're 100 pesos. 100 pesos. Mm -hmm. That's someone's day, right? That's Mm -hmm. someone's pay one day. And, you know, that just kind of blew me away. That I just kind of take it for granted. Oh, I'm just going to buy it. Oh, how cute. I'm going to buy these little things. I'm going to bring... But the impact of what that money does for a person, that I should, you know, honor that too. You know, like when I purchase something, I should honor that, that I'm helping someone as well. Not feeling sorry for someone. That's different. And another person who was there told me that. She no, you can't do that. You can't say, I feel sorry for you, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you more money. You don't do yeah. that either. They don't want pity. No. And so she says, you just purchase something at their price and you just, that's it. Nothing more. Okay, and that's that's also saying I get it, mm-hmm. I understand it, or I don't understand it. I'm gonna ask more questions, and so, you know, that's you know that's part of that understanding of where you fit in and being privileged. And like same thing, skin color. I'm light complected. I get it. Not everyone has this skin color. Not everyone's a light skin Latino. But I get it that I can move a little bit into different worlds easily based on the skin color that I have. So I get it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to like say, oh, those those people. No, no, All you right. know. So there's a lot of layers of being Latino in this culture and, you know, living out here too, especially um, that, you know, you you have to under, like, understand where you fit in in this space. You have to understand where you fit in as an artist and, you know, and what your job is at least that's one of the things I think about I'm not I don't even say all artists have to do that or whatever but for myself I I'm looking at those things and being a person of color and where do I fit in when I do my work and you know um and I feel like my voice gets stronger and stronger in my pieces and you know and I'm okay with that and I'm I I like I honor that I honor that the things that my experiences that I learn and and putting that in the world and and I and I take I take like <laughs> real responsibility of what I put in the world, you know, because it's like, you know, having a child, you put it in the world, you want to make sure that that child <laughs> is, you know, does good. 
-hmm. And that's how I approach my work too. There's pieces that I want to do that I've thought about doing and yeah, I don't need to do that. (laughs) You know, I don't need to put that in the world. Well, why is that? Uh, Because... Like what are some of the reasons you would not do a piece? Because like I think that image that I, I thought about doing was like, yeah, people could take that and use it I mean, people take any image and use it to whatever they want to do, but like that, like the image that I thought about doing would, I don't need to say it. I don't need to say that in that way um, because images, images are like strong, right? They're those, I mean, like you could hear a song, a story, they kind of floated in and out, but an image stays with you. And so I'm careful about the images that I put out. Like I, I don't. I'm not a person who wants to do dark imagery. That's not, that's not my thing. People like to explore that. That's great. It doesn't speak for me, but I don't, and I might have dark stuff inside me that I could probably put out in paintings and whatever art piece, but I don't want to contribute with darkness in the world. Hmm. I know it exists, you know, I see it, but I don't need to contribute to it, you know. Um, enough people out there are doing a lot of dark things, you know. But I don't need to contribute that aspect of what I do or what I want to say in the world. And so those are the kind of things like I, I'm careful about that. It's not so much censoring. I guess it is in some ways, but... You don't feel it constricts your creativity? No. No, because what is the message? Like It's like mm-hmm. when you want to say something to someone you, and, and you want to be careful about what you say sometimes. Because you don't want to hurt, but you want to help. And you know you could say well, that guy's just cheating on you, right? Yeah. But you're not going to do that, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to try to, you know, like really listen, have the opportunity when you're going to do it. So you just have to know, like, is this right at this time to show a picture of whatever, you know? Or can I hold off for a bit, you know? Or can I think about it a little bit more and make sure that message is clear? Mm. And so it's just that. Let me pause an image comes up for me like okay let me pause let me think about that you know um so i don't know i just i think it's i i want to be responsible of what i put out in the world you know and how i put that out it's like again like having children you you want to raise kids or you want you don't want them to be brats and act Mm -hmm. like privileged little brats you know in the world right you want to make sure that they go into the world they have whatever the skills or whatever the message or whatever they think that they're going to give right um, I just feel that way about my pieces, you know. Does it have heart? Does it, is it clear? Is the message clear about what I'm saying, you know? W- you know, is it going to be hurtful? Can it be hurtful? Is it okay to be hurtful? And if so, okay, right? Maybe that will, you know, push someone to do something different. Great. But I don't know. I, I just, I really think about that when I create pieces. Fascinating. Yeah. All right, we reached that mark. We made it. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, for any listeners who are interested in seeing your work, where, where can they check it out? Um, I have a web page, Yolanda Guerra at uh, YolandaGuerra.com. Then I have a Facebook page, The Art of Yolanda uh, Guerra. The Art of Yolanda. Yolanda Guerra, see. And then um, yeah. uh, right now, oh, well, that show ended. I was in a show in Philadelphia um, just recently. Um, Seems like you're traveling quite a bit with art. La- lately. I had a good year last year. And, wow. um, and How's that like, experience been? Um, really great. I think, yeah. Um, yeah, really great. And it's through other people liking something and saying, hey, what about this? You know, where are you interested in this? And that's what I'm saying. It's like, for me, it's about doing the work and then having that work kind of find a home 
and other people liking it and say, hey, would you like to join the show? I was like, yeah, I'd like to. That'd be great. And and then I also have my own little goals, too. Like, I'll set out a goal. Like, I really want to show my work in San Antonio. Universe. San Antonio. Universe. <laughs> this place. This place. And sure enough, yeah. something kind of forms itself. And so, um, yeah, it's been pretty, it's been pretty, a pretty nice year. And I will like to, like, you know, like, the show that really kind of hit me or really moved me was a show in Los Angeles called Manifest Justice, and it was sponsored by the Amnesty International. And um, that show was brought on by an artist who supported me. Like, he saw me in a show at De Anza College, and he mm. was in the show. His name's Patrick, um, Patrick Martinez. He's from Los Angeles. He just said, hey, you know, I like your work, and what are you doing? And, and so I showed him, and he said, hey, this would be great for the show. And um, so that kind of shifted my world and that, that show in particular. And uh, it was all about social justice. And, and that, again, it's like that kind of thing. And I think all artists in many ways should support each other in, in that aspect. Like, hey, there's a show going on. I think you'd be great for it, right? He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that to me. But he saw something. He appreciated it, just like I appreciated his work, too. Um, and I think that's that's the kind of person that I want to be like that too, to be able to say, hey, your piece would be fantastic for the show or come, come be a part of. Not this kind of isolated, it's only me, only me and no one else, you know? Um, so anyway, so, so it was a good year. It was good. It was a good year. I'm happy like to hear that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Well, I'm happy that you came. Thank you I'm for happy, inviting me. I'm I happy, appreciate it. Happy you here to chat. Thank you. Yeah, I think we had a good talk. Are we okay? Are yeah, okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. I feel like I talk too much, but and thank you. Uh, no, it's perfect. <laughs> uh, but but YolandaGuerra.com. Yes. Got it. Great. Thank you. Mm -hmm.